This program is a collaboration of personal opinions and individual free thought. It does not represent the views or narrative of the mainstream corporate media hacks. Viewer discretion is advised. And here we go. Live from the bell tower, taking a stand for your rights, your liberties, and all the bullshit in between. You're listening to Break the Bell Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is that time again that uh, it's, it's your weekend, which comes at unusual hours sometimes. Like, this is... Later than typical for a Sunday night weekend wrap-up episode, but um, I kind of got Bill called in tonight, and uh, he uh, called in sick or something. No, he, he's having family issues that he's addressing tonight. So um, Bill keeps, even though Bill's always late and uh, always showing up at the last minute, for some reason he keeps me timely. So when uh, when I'm working with Bill, I do things in a more timely manner. When Bill's not here, I just procrastinate and put it off until 8:30 at night on a on a Sunday night, uh, waiting waiting as long as possible, as late as possible, to get this show put out when it's when and still be considered the weekend. Um, I guess if I pushed it a couple more hours, you couldn't really consider it the weekend wrap up because then it would be Monday morning. But I'm still doing good. It's only 8:30. Uh, this one may or may not be a shorter episode because Bill's not here to uh, bounce ideas off of. And um, I don't know, it's been a busy weekend for me, just like it has been for probably all of you guys. It's nearing the end of the summertime. Uh, la- it's one of the last couple weekends of the summer. September it starts in like three days. And I don't know, just finishing up some last minute summer stuff, getting getting things out of the way. But Still got time for all you beautiful people out there. As always, we do this live. We started doing the weekend wrap-up live earlier this year, I think. It was this year or last year, I don't know. And we do our main show live um, because we enjoy audience participation. So if you're listening to this on the podcast platforms in the future or watching it on YouTube or something in the future and not live, just know that we do this live every single like several times a week, we do our main show Monday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And um, the weekend wrap-up we do live, usually Sunday night, usually roughly around like 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, 6, 7 o'clock, somewhere in there. Or like tonight, 8.30, just whenever we kind of feel like it and get get our shit together and get around to uh, doing this thing. So we're here, though. I'm here, at least. Um, Bill will be back tomorrow night for that main episode. As well as, uh, my, my intention is to have on a longtime guest of the show, Remzo Martinez is coming on our show tomorrow night to discuss how to make money in such a cruel economic times that we're having now. And we're going to probably discuss the, uh, the uh, student loan situation that's going on with the president 
declaring that he's going to forgive up to like $20,000 of student debt. So uh, going to enjoy having Remzo on. It's been a while. He hasn't really been on the show since our Christmas episode, which, holy shit, has been like nine months already since that our annual Christmas extravaganza. So we, I got almost got to start planning my next one because that's coming up in just a couple months here. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, every year we, uh, for the last two years, I guess, it's annual now, we do a Christmas episode where la- the last couple of years we've had my brother Dan Smots of the System is Down podcast and Remzo Martinez on to uh, just celebrate Christmas in true Break the Bell style. And um, it gets pretty weird sometimes. So I'm um, looking forward to that. But all that, not really announcing that now because it's again not september yet but all that to say haven't had remzo on the show since last christmas so it's going to be fun to have him on he's been on four or five times on the show and he's always got great things to talk about so he's a uh make money expert from what i've heard so it'll be interesting to hear that kind of angle um like uh how to provide and take care of yourself during a time where uh the (laughs) The finances, the country's finances and inflation is at an all-time shit show. Um, we've got trillions of dollars just being signed into law, just printed. The the freaking money machine is just going burr constantly. So it'll be interesting to get him on the show. So uh, definitely show up for that show. Like I said, that'll be tomorrow night at 7 p.m., so uh, Central Standard Time. So that'll be fun to get Remzo on the show. Got some news to talk about, but before I do, I got to do my um, announcements first and foremost. We've got, obviously, our sponsor, that is Run Your Mouth Coffee, the the official coffee of the Break the Bell podcast. They support free speech. They support our right to be able to sit here uh, multiple times a week now and just completely run our mouth and talk shit without fear of uh, getting ostracized from civilization. Uh, without fear of getting censored or or what have you, they um, make a delicious cup of coffee and they support free speech. So there's no better combination than good coffee and free speech and your individual liberty. So check them out at rymcoffee.com. Tell them we sent you by using the promo code BREAKTHEBELL and you'll get 10% off your purchase plus free shipping. And that's a freaking awesome deal. Um yeah, support support companies that support you, that support your rights, like Run Your Mouth Coffee. Uh, you all may have heard we did start, me and my brother started a new morning program, a morning news, like little 20, 30-minute segment where, called Two Scoops, which is where we come on and Tuesday and Thursday mornings live and just give you um, the shittiest uh, stories that we can possibly think of. We're, we're bouncing them off of each other. Uh, we're collaborating. It's It's been a while since me and him did anything like join forces together because we're usually button heads back and forth uh, talking shit about each other's shows. So we just figured we would uh, talk shit about each other's shows on each other's show together. So uh, that's Two Scoops Morning News. It's 7 p.m. Tuesdays and Thursdays. If we feel like it, we got to say that because sometimes we don't feel like it. So sometimes we just might not show up. So uh, Tuesday mornings is live on his channel, his YouTube channel on the System is Down podcast. And then Thursday morning is live on our channel on the Break the Bell podcast, obviously. So check that out. It's a fun time. It's a short form for all you people that are too ADD to sit through a two-hour show with us. Um, you ask for something shorter, we gave you something shorter. So check that out. That's Two Scoops Morning News. 
Uh, we got merch for sale at breakthebell.com or breakthebellpod.com, I'm sorry, or breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Um, we've got a couple of different designs here. We've got the infamous I Will Not Eat Your Bugs t-shirt, which is really, uh, says a lot in today's age where where uh, they're just cramming down your face like cockroach milk and uh, cricket burgers and stuff. Like that. that is the plan for you is that you stop eating meat and start eating more bugs. And we want to stand up and say, we're not going to eat your fucking bugs. And so we're doing so by forming the Anti-Cricket Brigade, which... Um, you can join by purchasing this T-shirt at BreakTheBell.BigCartel.com. We also have this uh, "We Are Not Your Pawn" shirt, which is a bunch of—it's a—it's a chessboard, but none of them are pawns. They're all kings and queens, and you see like the elite king like knocked down in the center. It's a—it's a badass design, I think. Um, yeah, it explains itself pretty much. We also have coffee mugs. We have our uh, official uh, Break the Bell logo t-shirts, all kinds of stuff there. So that's breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Check it out. Support us a little bit more by uh, purchasing our shit. Otherwise, you can also support us by going to uh, patreon.com forward slash breakthebell and sign up for any of the levels, and you can help support us, get access to bonus content, access to merch options, and stuff like that. So, yeah. That's uh, that's the uh, housework I got to do, I guess, before we get into the show. It's really hard to do a solo show without Bill because you got to listen to me drink the Coors Light because usually I do it while he's talking. Uh, I don't have that option, so I will take dramatic pauses to uh, sip on my beer. So you just got to deal with it. Let's get into this weekly dose of news. This weekend wrap-up is usually the news that we can't get to in our main episode, but it's still stuff that we want to talk about or don't want to talk about but should talk about. The first one I want to talk about is uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg went on the Joe Rogan Show podcast, whatever they call it. Joe Rogan Experience, something like that. I don't know. Um, And he's claiming that or admitting, or whatever, he helped suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story for the FBI. Not just for himself, not to be like, wow, guys, this seems like a really kind of politi- politicized thing, very uh, uh, polarizing thing, so we've got to, uh, we've got to, like, tamper down on this. No, the FBI reached out to Mark Zuckerberg and said, or not to Mark Zuckerberg personally, I'm guessing, but to Facebook, Meta, whoever, and said, uh, you know, guys, this is bad. You got you to squash this. As well as Twitter, I'm pretty sure, too, because according to Mark Zuckerberg, Twitter just flat out censored it and was like, nope, no stories about this Hunter Biden laptop during the 2020 election because this could influence elections. This could, this could be dangerous, and this could possibly get Donald Trump reelected if, if uh, we find out that, the, uh, that this, this laptop from hell, this Hunter Biden laptop— is actually a thing, and uh, he was, Hunter Biden was doing crack cocaine and uh, off a stripper's ass. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing, but it was a bunch of shady shit. Oh, yeah, and don't forget the, the, the fact of the big guy doing business with, like, Chinese and uh, the Chinese Communist Party companies and things like that. But we don't want that to go into the election cycle because that could possibly influence an election. So instead, we're going to influence election by 
suppressing this story from from social media because voters shouldn't be allowed to make decisions on their own. So this is from ZeroHedge.com. Says the FBI has responded to an explosive claim by Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg that Facebook algorithmically censored references to Hunter Biden's laptop ahead of the 2020 election after receiving a warning from the agency about Russian propaganda. Now, now we all know now that this was not at all Russian propaganda, that this was all legit. I mean, it might have been somehow uh, conveniently dropped in the lap of uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani, but we all know that this is a, this is a pretty legit laptop. This, these claims, this Russian propaganda actually is a thing, and we know that, and we know it's true, and it, we know that it's been secret, not secretly, but quietly uh, put back into the news to, to claim that, yes, yes, this was true, but we're not going to really make a big deal about this now because it's so far in the past. But at the time, the FBI agency told uh, Mark Zuckerberg to kind of keep this quiet because this is Russian propaganda, obviously. Um, shit, why isn't this come there? There, now you can see the article. It says Zuckerberg said on August 25th episode of the Joe Rogan Experience that Facebook actively reduced the reach of social media posts discussing Hunter Biden's laptop in response to an advisory from the FBI to some Facebook staffers to be on guard for Russian disinformation ahead of the presidential election. The background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to some folks on our team and were like, hey, just so you know, you should be on high alert. We thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump similar to that. So just be vigilant. So basically the FBI is like, do you remember all that quote unquote Russian propaganda that came out in 2016 about the Hillary Clinton email server scandal that came to be a real thing? Yeah, we don't want that to happen again in this election. So there's about to be something similar to this, which we said at the time. It's like, wow, this Hunter Biden email thing seems vaguely familiar to the, the Hillary Clinton email thing that happened in the 2016 election. It's like, why can't these fucking people like do a better job at keeping their email a little better under wraps? But basically, FBI is just like, yeah, this whole Russian hoax thing with the, the Hillary Clinton thing that we know— wasn't a Russian hoax. That's about to happen again, and it's obviously going to be a Russian hoax when it's not really a Russian hoax. It says, clips featuring Zuckerberg's response to Rogan quickly went viral, prompting a flurry of takes critical of the FBI, with some accusing the agency of engaging in election interference. So, again, like I was saying, in order to prevent Russian election interference... We're going to interfere with the election ourselves, just in case. So it says, uh, uh, Representative Andrew Clyde of Georgia said in a statement, this isn't just insane, it's election interference. While calling on Zuckerberg to testify before Congress about the FBI's attempts to circumvent the First Amendment. A similarly scathing take was expressed by Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio. He says the same FBI who lied about Russian collusion and raided President Trump's home asked Facebook to manipulate its feed to bury the Hunter Biden story. 
says as the controversy swirled, the FBI issued a statement to media outlets on Friday saying that its warning to its warning to Facebook was a general na- of general nature and did not include a call to action. The FBI said routinely notifies U.S. private sector energy entities. Wow, I can't read tonight, including social media providers of potential threat information so that they can decide how to better defend against threats and that the agency has provided companies with foreign threat indicators to help them protect their platforms and customers from abuse by foreign malign influence actors. The FBI added that it cannot ask or direct companies to take action on information received. So basically, this comes out, and Zuckerberg's probably, like, put on notice for for the things that he's saying here. But basically, the Biden story was about to drop, or the Hunter Biden laptop story. And the FBI goes to Facebook, Twitter, whoever, and it's just like, hey, remember that propaganda? It's about to happen again. But they don't tell them, they don't direct them, hey, squash this information— but it makes you wonder, because we we know that Facebook's kind of in bed with the the government and they're doing their bidding constantly. There's there's got to be some some financial transaction. There's got to be some financial like uh, benefit for Facebook to continue to do the bidding of of the federal government. That or Mark Zuckerberg just is really a robot that is was programmed by like a. NASA Operation Paperclip type scientist um, that he's actually uh, a federal government robot and he's running this private entity known as Facebook that just happens to do the bidding of of the federal government because he was programmed uh, obviously to not act in disfavor of the the federal government. It's really funny. I'm gonna just show a couple clip a brief clip of this Joe Rogan. <laughs> Uh, little interview with with Zuckerberg because I would swear just watching his like everything about Mark Zuckerberg I still swear he is AI he's some form of AI he's not a real um, real human being uh, Joe Rogan I don't know how much he paid to get the Zuckerberg AI on his show but it's here it is a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story the New York yeah, we Post have that too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well? So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, uh, some some folks on our team. It was like, hey, um, just so you know, like, you should be on high alert. There was the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of... of um, Move hands like uh, normal uh, human being? So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said, you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What we do is... So so what, what he goes on to say here, and he justifies what he does as better than Twitter because they didn't just go out and flat out say, hey, you can't share this around. You can share this all you want. We're just not going to make it visible to people. So go ahead and fucking share it all you want. We're just going to ghost it. So it's not available. Like, our algorithms are going to basically push it to the bottom. So it's not seen on anybody's feed. It's not seen on anybody's posts or anything. It's just not there. We're not going to ban you. We're not going to say, 
uh, like openly say this because people like us might come out and be like, hey, that's a little bit of uh, maybe bias towards a freaking election. So maybe you shouldn't be doing this. No, instead of that, so they don't get the pushback at the at the front end. They just say, yeah, go ahead and fucking post it. Just let's see if it actually uh, comes to light. Like, let's see if this information actually spreads to anybody else. There's no way it's going to get viral because our algor- algorithms completely squash it. But but yeah, by by all means, go ahead and use your quote-unquote free speech. I mean, we're going to use our freedom to um, just not give any access to this. So they're so much better than Twitter, obviously, because they allowed you to post it. But they chose not to allow it to be seen. So I don't know. I don't know what you think about this. I mean, it's no surprise. It's not shocking that the FBI came to to Facebook and was like, you know, maybe this this story is just Russian propaganda and you shouldn't allow it. I mean, it's not surprising when we see everything else that goes on in the election. But it's, I mean, it's just so, com- like, to use a social media giant to basically... Um, steer what is perceived by the general public. Like, you know, maybe that would be a deciding factor in somebody's vote. If they find out that Hunter Biden was doing shady dealings with the Chinese and um, perhaps this presidential candidate who was vice president at the time, perhaps he was in on it too and was getting a cut out of this, maybe that would persuade somebody that was on the fence to not freaking vote for Joe Biden. So... To not allow that information to get public and to be guided by the FBI to not allow this to get get public, I mean, that seems a little bit one-sided. But we know the FBI was super one-sided in against Donald Trump from the start because we had—who was the, the, the FBI agent that—I um, got him in the news here. What's his name? Peter Strzok. Peter Strzok was the one that, during the 2016 election— um, his text came out where he was emailing or texting that one chick, and he was like, "We got to do everything we can to not let this guy be in office. We, I mean, everything in po- as possible." So, again, it's not surprising that the FBI would come out during the 2020 election and be like, "Don't let this information move anywhere because this could." Uh, influence an election. So we need to influence the election so it doesn't get influenced against us. So like I said, Peter Strzok is also back in the news. Speaking of 2020 elections or Donald Trump or whatever, I don't know how we're connecting it, but Peter Strzok's in the news. Because as we know, obviously Mar-a-Lago got raided a couple weeks ago. And there's a whole bunch of outrage about that because of illegal search warrants and how uh, the Department of Justice is, like, weaponizing against uh, political opponents and stuff. And I, I, I can see how this could potentially be an issue and how they're still on this witch hunt against Donald Trump. Well, apparently, according to Peter Strzok, there was so much evidence just strewn about strewn about the, the Mar-a-Lago residence that a Russian... Um, infiltrator could possibly, get, if, if they were to infiltrate the Mar-a-Lago residence, which, which apparently, according to Peter Strzok, they, they, they want to, they wanted to, or they even tried to uh, infiltrate the Mar-a-Lago residence. Like, like, how does that happen? Like, 
Donald Trump's just got all these documents just thrown about, thrown all over the residence. And some re- Russian spy comes in, like, dressed as a manservant or something. Or a, a, a masseuse, a massage boy, a pool boy, I don't know. And then he's just like, ooh, here's some... Uh, um, Here's some documentation on the uh, nuclear weapons. I, I have a terrible Russian accent. I'm sorry. And he just happens to find it all over the house. First of all, how would he know that the documents are just thrown all over the house? Second of all, I mean, this isn't just a freaking, like, 80s spy movie. I, I just don't, I don't see that happening. Because this says Russia absolutely tried to infiltrate the Mar-a-Lago according to former FBI official Peter Strzok. So let me pull this one up. This is from Newsweek. So this is why it was absolutely 100% necessary to raid his, his uh, residence there. Even if, even if it does come, we do come to find out, hey, this whole freaking uh, search warrant was all bullshit. If you come out with info like this and find out that all these papers were just thrown all over the place, all these top-secret documents just... Willy-nilly all over the the coffee table and on under his um, sex lounge and stuff like that. Um, then then we can look back and I'll be like, see, see, we we it was right for us to go into there, even if we did it illegally. Could you imagine if we hadn't gone into there? It says former FBI official Peter Strzok said in an interview Sunday that foreign intelligence services in countries, including Russia, have been absolutely interested in gaining access to former President Donald Trump's Florida property, Mar-a-Lago. Based on what? Based on what evidence? You got anything to back this up? Yes, you are the FBI. You redact everything that you do. I get that. But do you have any clear evidence to back this up that says, uh, yeah, uh, Russian spies did were trying to infiltrate his his residence says Strzok's comments came after the fbi raided the property earlier this month as part of an investigation into whether trump potentially mishandled classified information that he took with him after he left the white house last year a search warrant revealed that agents seized items including top secret documents from the property on august 8th during the interview Host Katie Fang asked Strzok if he believes it's possible that Russians would have been interested in po- and possibly tried to infiltrate Mar-a-Lago. Well, Katie, absolutely the Russians, but not just the Russians. Any competent foreign intelligence service, whether that's those belonging to China, to Iran, to Cuba, and certainly including the Russians, are all interested in gaining access to Mar-a-Lago, Strzok responded. Again, based on what? Are you, are you seeing this chatter on the, the, the airwaves of like, oh, yes, uh, let's collaborate. Let's get uh, the pool boy and the, the, the massage guy in to steal these documents. So Strzok added, what's especially concerning right now is some of the information that's coming out about the absolute lack of any sort of control or memorialization of who had access to Mar-a-Lago at any given time, particularly in contact in context of the fact that it appears classified documents were strewn all over the facility. I, uh, I've got to think that Donald freaking Trump has maids and house cleaners out the ass. And I can't imagine he's just like romping naked with his hookers 
all over these freaking classified documents, the way they make it seem like they're just thrown all over the place. Strzok was fired from the FBI after text messages from 2016 were released revealing anti-Trump remarks between himself and FBI lawyer Lisa Page. Lisa Page, there you go, that's who it was. He has remained a critic of former president and published a book in 2020 titled, titled Compromised, Counterintelligence and the Threat of Donald J. Trump. During his interview, Strzok said that regardless of the knowledge that classified documents were there, Russian intelligence services are going to, going to have been trying to gain access to Mar-a-Lago. So, I don't understand that. They, that foreign intelligence are going to have been trying. So, so he's speculating. He's just speculating. Based on, based on what we know of foreign intelligence— and based on every spy novel I've read and every 1980s spy, Russian spy uh, movie and television drama, made-for-TV drama, based on what we know of Russian spies, you gotta think that they're going to have been access, trying to access Mar-a-Lago, trying to access, even if they didn't know classified documents were there, of course, of course they're going to try to infiltrate Mar-a-Lago. Why wouldn't they? And that's absolutely the sort of thing that the U.S. intelligence community and the FBI in particular are going to concern about trying to establish who had access to the grounds, who had access to that storage area. Wait, it's a storage area now. It's not just strewn about the residents. It's a fucking storage area where there might have been boxes stacked. And do you think Donald Trump actually put those boxes there themselves? Do you think that guy has lifted a box in his fucking life? No, he hasn't. He probably didn't even know what documents were taken there. Says, and what they need to do is mitigate any sort of damage that might have occurred. I don't know. I don't know what you think. Sure, maybe Donald Trump should be in jail, but for this, no, probably not. I don't know. Maybe for doing uh, crack cocaine with Hunter Biden somewhere, probably. But this, this is fucking stupid. This is a witch hunt. And to say that Hillary Clinton was just like the same people that pretty much announced that Hillary Clinton was just, um, you know, just kind of ignorant bliss in her mishandling of classified information. But to say, you know, but Russian infiltrators, of course, of course, Russian infiltrators would have wanted to gain access. What about, you don't think Russian infiltrators would have wanted to gain access to? Hillary Clinton's private email server that was just sitting in like a fucking closet in her in her private residence. You don't think that the same Russian infiltrators might want access to what the information she has? Yeah, there's a good chance of it. Let's move on. <laughs> I mean, we it's might as well segue. We're talking about Hillary Clinton. It's never Never a boring week when Hillary Clinton makes the headlines. And it's just going to be so much less boring now because Hillary and Chelsea are starting a TV show. Of all the things, I mean, shit, uh, I think Michelle Obama is starting a podcast. I mean, it's just like, of all the things people want to see, I bet you this this Hillary and Chelsea TV series is what the market was asking for. This is like 
I I don't know. This is like uh, government mismanagement. That's fine. This is like something you find on uh, government-sponsored media, like uh, Iowa Public or like National Public, like NPR or like on PBS or something. It's like, no, we know the people don't want this, but the people need this. So we're gonna smush this stuff, this bullshit in their face because we ha- we don't get enough Hillary Clinton in our face anymore. So let's. Let's make a TV show. Let's make her look relevant. I mean, maybe this is her build-up to actually running in 2024. Hey, let's make uh, Hillary Clinton look relevant and look young and spry uh, on this this gutsy TV show, which is titled Gutsy, I'm pretty sure. This is from uh, Yahoo News. It says, a gutsy move. Hillary and Chelsea get real on their new TV series. I mean, this is something... That if I ate something bad for dinner and I really wanted to make myself throw up, I guess I'd probably put this this show on. It says it's almost impossible to go into an interview with Hillary and Chelsea Clinton without some preconceptions. Yeah, that they're all fucking crooks and murderers. That's the preconception that I get. That Chelsea's probably following the footsteps of her mother and she's probably having people like her, all her best friends murder too. It says they have, after all, been on the global stage for better part of four decades, with scenes from their public lives as familiar, if not mundane, as uh, as our own. A preteen Chelsea on her father Bill's campaign trail, the presidential family walking hand in hand on the White House lawn, po- the post Lewinsky scandal, scandal, Hillary's emotional concession speech after the 2016 election, <laughs> after she like threw a chair through a wall or something. So it's a bit surreal to sit waiting for the Clinton women to join a Zoom chat about their new Apple TV Plus show, Gutsy. So much so, when their polished, smiling image appears on the screen, it initially looks like a promotional image, a digital placeholder to contemplate until the pair signs on. That is until Hillary shifts and bellows, Hello! God, that would make... Oh, that would make my freaking hair stand on end like whoever would want to do a zoom chat with hillary clinton and the the fact that they describe her uh her salutations as bellowing i mean i can just like that just defines everything about hillary clinton says it's a recurring theme in their eight-part docuseries what bellowing bellowing's a recurring theme or oh, reminds us of the actual person behind the public persona. Yeah, she's loud and obnoxious and condescending, and she's just a cold bitch. Says uh, the docuseries, eight-part docuseries, where the Clintons sit down with prominent female stars, activists, and community leaders to talk about how they're making positive change in the world and killing babies in brown countries and uh, making sure... All political dissent is dead, but making positive change in the world. But also pulls back the curtain on two very famous, very private, and very, yes, gutsy women. That was the big goal. Well, I would hope that was the goal, considering the name of your show is Gutsy, to, to portray them as gutsy women themselves. What has Chelsea Clinton done that is so gutsy 
That's what I'd like. That's what I want to watch the show for. Because Chelsea is such a forgettable person that I I mean what's her name? Uh shit. Trump. Ivanka Trump. Ivanka Trump is more in the spotlight than than Chelsea Clinton ever had had been after after Bill Clinton freaking left office. Goes on to say, we think we know Hillary and Chelsea, but it was such a lovely surprise to find out they are very funny and warm and up for anything. <laughs> I, I would love to see the funny and warm side of Hillary Clinton because it's all it's all a fucking act. It's like everything. Her whole persona is just an act. Well, like, I don't think when it comes to people that have been in political office for their entire fucking lives. For what forty years or whatever, they're basically their entire lives. When you're putting on a political face your entire life, it's hard, like impossible, to shut that political, like that fakeness off. And it probably gets to the point where you don't even know who you are anymore. And I mean, you've basically sold your soul to every form of the devil as possible to get to where you are getting. And that's, I mean, that's not just the Clintons. I'm sure that is every other freaking politician out there. That once you get to a certain point after doing this for so long, it's like, that's what you are now. There is no funny, warm, loving side anymore. It, that I mean, that's all a political move. Like, the funny is a political uh, strategy. The the warm, oh yeah, that's a political strategy to market to, like, the, the women and the, like, the, the, that want to view her as more of like a homey person, like a family, a family-oriented Hillary Clinton. Yeah, that's a, it's a political ploy. It's to make you feel like they are something that you want them to be. That's what politics are, is making them, making people think that you are their person. So again, the only reason I think they're doing this damn show that's going to be just a large dose of vomit in your face is if either A, Hillary, or B, Chelsea, or God forbid the two of them are planning some sort of political move in the future because that's that's what they do. They just the only reason they come out of the woodwork is to make you think that they're something that you want them to be so you might favor them and vote for them or something. I don't know. They want something from you. That's the only reason they're coming out with this. And Apple Plus Apple Plus good, good God bless their soul if they think that this is a move that's going to make them money. Like, who's actually—first of all, who actually subscribes to Apple Plus anyway? Over all the other ones, or Apple TV Plus, whatever. I I subscribed to it once just to get the Charlie Brown's Christmas special because that was the only thing you could find it on. And as soon as Christmas was over, I canceled that fucking subscription because there's literally nothing else on it. And the fact that they're like, you know, I think what the people want— is Hillary and Chelsea Clinton on a TV series, an eight-part TV series. Eight parts. You think this this makes money? Is it possible? Is there a chance this is going to make money for Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus? I, I, I really don't see that happening. <clears throat> Got a few more things to cover in the next, oh, 20 minutes or so, 15, 20 minutes. I don't know. Like I said, I might get out of here early, too. Let's see. This one was interesting to me. Apparently, <clears throat> this is in 
California. Apparently, somewhere in California, there was a straight pride march. You know, in response to all the gay pride march- marches. I mean, I don't see a problem. I really don't see a problem with this. Here's the problem I have. Is if... <clears throat> if... Like, say they are blatantly homophobic. Let's say they are blatantly racist. Because, you know, this this group of people says... Because uh, this is from uh, New York Post. It says... A march celebrating straight pride outside of an abortion clinic in California devolved into violence as participants clashed with more than 200 pro-LGBTQ and pro-choice counter-protesters. The National Straight Pride Coalition, I did not know this was a thing, there is a coalition known as the National Straight Pride Coalition. They organized the event held for the fourth consecutive year in Modesto on Saturday, described his cause as backing heterosexuality, the natural nuclear family, Western civilization, Caucasians, Christianity, and nationalism. So right off the bat, first of all, first of all, I don't think this is fucking real. I think this is probably some sort of organization like some sort of like fake organization that is made because who comes out I mean I guess I guess I could possibly see this but none of that actually is being bigoted none of that is any sort of homophobia I mean in itself it's not any sort of racism to be pro my views on sexuality or my views on the Western civilization or my views that marriage equals uh, a man and a wife married, like the nuclear family, a husband and a wife and a kid, or even to be pro my race. I mean, every other race can be pro my race, but to say you're pro Caucasian obviously has white supremacist connotations. Um, and I, I don't see any organization be like, we're pro nationalism. Unless they're like straight up Nazis, which that's what they're, it sounds like they're trying to make this out to be. But I don't know, maybe it's real, maybe it's not real. Anyway, even if, even if, God forbid, even if they are straight up racist, homophobic bigots, do you know what would do you more freaking good is to not counter protest them, to not come out with, wrapped in your rainbow flags. That's not me being homophobic. That's actually what happened. Even if these are racist, bigoted, Nazi fascists, wouldn't it do more good to not show up in counter-protest? Because nobody shows up. Nobody gives them attention. They're just out there making a bunch of fucking noise. Who cares? They're just looking like idiots themselves. When you come out draped in your rainbow flag and have violent clashes with these people, first of all, that gives them national publicity, as you see here with the New York Post reporting on it. Now, other people that are like, you know, I'm pro-Caucasian, I'm pro-nuclear uh, family, I'm pro—maybe I'm going to start my protest now. No, you just don't—I mean, if you don't agree with it, don't give them credit. Just let them do their thing, and— 
they'll figure out that they're being dumbasses and walk away. On the other hand, why are we all so pissed off at uh, people that are demonstrating in, I don't know, whatever, even if it's uh, like rude behavior, I I don't know that they, I don't know who started the violence here. Maybe I should read the rest of the the freaking, uh, the article, but... Why why are we so surprised that this right organization is out uh, protesting their morals and their beliefs and stuff when the the people on the left have been doing it for fucking years? I mean, as soon as the the Roe v. Wade thing came out, it's just like flood in the streets. You know, they, this is against our rights. This is this and this is that and uh, uh, my body, my choice and stuff. And but then uh, somebody on the other side comes out. It's like. Fuck abortion. Fuck uh, homosexuality. Uh, we're, we're, we don't support that. It's just like... But we all act shocked. It's like, oh my god, these people are coming out and protesting their beliefs and stuff. Uh, we, we should do something about that. Maybe we should pick up our signs that say, fascists not welcome here, and maybe... Maybe... Maybe they'll stop. Maybe that'll it'll change their mind. If we all pick up a bunch of signs and scream at each other, maybe people actually change their mind. I mean, that makes the most sense. Boys, I, I have no verification that he was a proud boy, but one of the quote-unquote proud boys decided to try to walk past the cops that were separating them. And the counter-protesters, you know, the peaceful ones, started throwing things at this guy. Now, get this. This one is the most... This one's interesting. It says a firecracker reportedly went off, setting off, setting fire to a bush near the Clinton. I mean, I guess it is California. I was going to say that sounds weird. Uh, like one firecracker goes off and a whole bush catches on fire. First of all, they're trying to make this sound way, way more dramatic than it was. Like fires set ablaze to a nearby bush when a, when a small munitions explosive went off during filling the scene with smoke a firecracker went off and a bush kind of caught on fire and there was a little bit of smoke this doesn't even have to be in the article at all it i mean if that i guess you could call that explosives i guess you could call that setting a blaze to nearby uh, scenery i i don't know but i feel like this is a little bit stretching The Modesto Police Department warned on Facebook around 11.17 a.m. local time that there was an unlawful assembly of demonstrators along McHenry Avenue and warned people to stand clear of the area. Well, by doing so, more people probably came out. They're like, we're going to go get those guys, those bigots, those Nazis, those Nazis. Police officers in tactical gear arrived in the assembly to disperse the crowd and clashed with the counter-protesters, firing pepper balls and beanbags. We have two armies to go up against when we stand for our rights. We have to deal with the cops attacking us, and we're about to get a second wave of right-wing extremists, said a counter-protester in Sacramento. All right, so... Who's the ones attacking here? They were out protesting. And you all showed up as counter-protesters to stop their right to free speech, their right to stand out there and protest. You showed up, and who started the the chucking water bottles and shit? I don't, it sounds like the counter-protesters. 
says we are fearful of them attacking us as well. So so we got to worry about the cops attacking us. We got to worry about the right-wing extremists attacking us. You're the fucking ones that showed up to counter this thing. If you don't want to be attacked by these guys, maybe don't show up and try to stop their freaking protests in the first place. Again, let them do their thing, then they'll go home, and then you can go about doing your whatever it is you want to do. Says three people were arrested for failure to disperse, including one counter protester and two people affiliated with the Straight Pride rally. Police Department spokesperson Sharon Bear said the demonstration appeared to be over by 1 p.m. Wow, that was short lived. That was such a clash of violent mob dispersed by 1 p.m. local time. Straight Pride March, organized by the same group last year, similarly ended in violence. At that event, members of the Proud Boys and other supporters of the group once again clashed with counter-protesters outside the Modesto Planned Parenthood after about an hour of mostly avoiding each other. It doesn't really go into details on that one. It just says there was violence. Again, describe the violence, because it sounds like the people that were being violent in this one were the counter-protesters. I don't know. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I feel like if it's allowed for one side to go out and protest outside of Planned Parenthood or outside churches or outside uh, outside of uh, pregnancy clinics, it should be allowed, and it is allowed, for the other side to come out. Whether their beliefs are right, wrong, that's not what's up for debate here. The fact is they have the right to go outside uh, Planned Parenthood and protest as well. I don't know. Maybe they are racists. Maybe they are bigots and homophobic. Um, if they're not, if they're not causing violence, I mean, if they're instigating, which maybe, I mean, there's a good chance they were. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably fucking stupid. But it's more, it's as stupid for the counter protesters to come out and get in their face and be like, "Oh, you guys are a bunch of fucking Nazis. Go home." <clears throat> Moving on. NASA is sending people back to the moon. I don't know if I believe this. Because apparently, so so apparently, in order, because they've been talking about sending people to Mars for, I don't know, a couple of years now. But apparently, before we decide that we want to land people on Mars, maybe... Maybe we should try, just try, to put people back on the moon again. Because we haven't been able to do that in, like, 40 years, 50 years, since the 70s. I don't know, the 70s seems like, to say the 70s is 50 years ago is kind of insane to me. But 50 years, you know, maybe we are getting a little too ambitious by saying, you know what, just fuck the moon, let's go straight for Mars. So NASA's like, you know, maybe we should try the moon again. Or maybe we should try it a first time, depending on your views of the moon landing. Maybe we should try to land on the moon before we shoot such an ambitious goal as going to Mars. And having, like, permanent dwellings on Mars. Let, let's not just go straight for that. Let's try to do maybe temporary dwellings on the moon. I don't know. Uh, depending on your views of NASA, this is most likely... Most likely just a money funnel, as NASA has been for the last 60 years. Uh, they're probably not putting anybody on the moon or on Mars or anything 
uh, they're probably just funneling your money and they're going to take really cool CGI pictures and send them back to you. So this is going on tomorrow. This is why I want to talk about this is because this launch to the moon is happening tomorrow morning. It says, how and when to watch NASA's giant rocket launch to the moon. This is from the New York Times. Here's what you need to know about Artemis 1 and the launch of the Space Launch System and Orion Capsule. Before NASA can send astronauts back to the moon, it needs a successful flight test of the Space Launch System, a giant rocket built for the agency with lunar missions in mind. So, so before we send them to Mars, we got to send people to the moon. Before we send people to moon, we got to make sure we can send things to space. So it's like almost like we're reinventing the wheel again. It says, on Monday, we'll get to see the first attempt at la launching this massive rocket to orbit, this time with no astronauts aboard the Orion capsule, or Orion. Is it Orion or Orion? It says, here's what you need to know about the mission, Artemis 1. The launch is scheduled for 8.33 a.m. Why, why not 8.30? Why 8.33 a.m.? Like why? Never mind. Eastern time, but in case of unfavorable weather or technical glitches, the liftoff can be pushed back as much as two hours or 10.33 a.m. Because that makes sense. I wonder if they start the launch sequence right at 8.30 and it takes three minutes. I don't know. That just seems kind of crazy. That'd be like me starting this show at like 7.17 NASA Television's online co coverage of Artemis 1 launch begins at midnight at the start of Monday as the process of filling the rocket's giant propellant tanks starts. The agency's full coverage will begin at 6.30 a.m. on Monday. Coverage in Spanish will begin at 7.30 a.m. I'm sorry for all you Spanish-speaking people out there, but you will miss out on a critical hour of coverage of the space agency, of the, the coverage of the launch. Forecasts give an 80% chance of favorable weather at the beginning of the launch window, but conditions are expected to worsen somewhat after the next two hours, falling to a 60% chance of favorable weather. So they need to get it out early. Three lightning strikes at the launch pad this weekend didn't cause any problems. Well, that is good to know. If Artemis 1 gets off the ground, coverage will continue for about two hours after liftoff, through what is known as the Translunar Injection Engine Firing to push the or Orion spacecraft out of low orbit on a trajectory to the moon. Now, we haven't had anything out of low orbit besides, I don't know, Elon Musk's car and, like, the Mars rover thing. We don't, we don't send space shuttles out of low orbit too often anymore. It's almost like it's not possible, but... I don't know, I guess we'll see, or we, we'll see a good CGI rendition of it. If the launch is postponed, NASA has backup opportunities scheduled for September 2nd or the 5th. It says, what are the Space Launch System and or Orion? For astronauts to get to the moon, they need a big rocket. No shit. And the Space Launch System is that rocket. The most powerful one since Saturn V took NASA astronauts to the moon in the 60s and 70s. The one waiting on the pad to launch Monday is 322 feet high and will weigh 5.5 million pounds when filled with propellants. The rocket has some visual similarities to the retired space shuttles. This is by design. Now get this. To simplify development of its new moon rocket, 
NASA reused much of the 1970s space shuttle technology. So, the advancements in technology, like like we talked about a li- little bit here and there about how I doubt we went to the moon the first, at least the first time. But it's a known fact, I think, that the amount of computing abilities in the very first shuttles to the moon, or spacecraft to the moon, had less computing capability than, like, a cell phone, or I think it was even than, like, a Game Boy. I don't remember. It was just (laughs) definitely less than your cell phone computing abilities. So, we... Clearly, technology has come a long way since the 1970s. I mean, we have fucking, like... Phones that do more than a whole room filled with computer uh, computer system from the 70s. We are doing this thing we are, where we are sending, supposedly sending people on this really unsafe mission, supposedly, to the moon. But we are going to reuse a lot of the technology that came from the 1970s. 50 fucking year old technology to send people to the moon. That something is not quite right there. Either A, they're not telling us something, or B, they're really fucking bad at their jobs because I would think over the last 50 years they would have come up with some some new technology like there there shouldn't be a reusing any 50-year-old technology to send people to the moon right now. That I guess that's what it, I'm trying to say. The Space Launch System's cargo on Monday is Orion, a capsule that is designed for trips of multiple weeks beyond low orbit Earth. Low Earth orbit. It will be uncrewed for this flight but can carry four astronauts. If this flight is a success, a quartet of astronauts will travel on the next mission, Artemis II. So I don't need to get into any more of this. It talks about all the different missions and stuff. The, the Artemis I mission is uh, going to depart from Earth. Then it's going to travel to the moon and orbit the moon. And then it will return to the Earth. Um, and then we'll get into like landing landing people on Apparently, the south pole of the moon. I'm not sure why they chose the south side of the moon for that, but uh, there's got to be something there. It says, about one and a half hours after launch, the second stage fires again for about 18 minutes in what is called trans, trans, trans lunar injections. That is, the second stage will push Orion on a course to the moon. After the engine burn, Orion will separate from the second stage. On day six, Orion will begin its orbit of the moon. On day 24, Orion will leave the distant retrograde orbit and start the return trip to Earth. If Artemis 1 launches Monday, Splashdown Splashdown will be on October 10th, ending a 42-day mission. So that's what we know about this. It's probably, again... Probably not gonna like actually happen, but we're never. I mean, we're gonna get really good CGI video of it. So I guess my question for you in all of this is: what's what's more likely scenario? <clears throat> is it more likely 
that NASA actually sends people to the moon without fucking it up, first of all. Second of all, do, do they actually do? Is it more likely that NASA actually pulls this off, or is it more likely that Apple TV Plus makes money off of Hillary and Chelsea Clinton's TV show? Because I'm going to have to stretch, even though I don't believe that NASA probably uses its money for what it says it does, and I don't particularly believe that we're going to send anybody to the moon, I think there's a much fucking better chance that that mission is more successful than Hillary and Chelsea Clinton's show on Apple TV+. Plus. So that's my prediction for all of this. So... You, you let me know. The comment section's open. Uh, what do you think? Do you think, uh, do you think the moon landing happens, or do you think wh- which happens first, uh, the success of a Hillary Clinton TV show or a moon landing by actual real people, not a CGI video? Uh, the comment section's always open, like I said. Uh, you can join us on the forum, Facebook forum, the, the Breaking the Bell forum, or you can follow me on Twitter at BreakTheBellPod. Because that's where I like to hang out and talk the most shit is on Twitter. So so let me know what you think. What What's a more likely scenario here? That's all the time I got for this week. Again, make sure you check us out tomorrow night for that main episode where we are having the great uh, Remzo Martinez of the On The Run podcast to talk about making money, to talk about the... the freaking loan forgiveness, the student loan forgiveness, and to talk about the state of the economy right now and how we can survive through this, Uh, and then whatever else we want to freaking talk about because nothing stays on the rails with Remzo Martina. So make sure you check that out tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's going to be a freaking blast. Otherwise, uh, join us again for Two Scoops, me and my brother, Dance Mots of the System is Down podcast, Monday, or fuck, uh, Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 7 a.m., when we feel like it. Share this all over social media. If you are watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button so we can build our YouTube channel back to where it was uh, pre-getting nuked off of YouTube about four or five months ago. So make sure you like and subscribe and share the shit all over the place. Otherwise, I guess, join us tomorrow. Have a great rest of your weekend, the last couple hours that that you have. Uh, We'll see you next time. Goodbye. The Break the Bell podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Justin Zelinski, Remzo Martinez, Stephanie Parker, and T.O. Jacobson. A shout out to our sponsors, Run Your Mouth Coffee, the On the Run podcast, and Goulash Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next week and let us continue to invade your ear holes. And as always, never stop talking.